Our reading this morning is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. You can find this on page 1175 in your Pew Bibles. Living as children of light. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jill. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Uh, I'm sure um, many of you watched the, we- the royal wedding. Yeah. No, but who di- anyone didn't watch it? There's, oh, there's a few there. I knew there would be a few. Um, uh, and you, as I watched the uh, the royal wedding, you could have been forgiven um, for thinking that you were watching a fashion parade. Did you ever feel like that as you were listening to? Um, what the commentators, the commentaries, and um, were all about what people were, were wearing. And, and this made me wonder, what is the lure of the fashion industry? Um, I, I know very little about the fashion industry, so this will be short. Um, but what is the lure of it? Well, perhaps it promises a new you. It promises you a new you. I mean, we've all seen pictures, haven't we, of people before and people after. Um, People will say, well, she looks like a new person, a new person brimming with confidence and appeal. And I suppose the promise is that through the fashion industry, it is a kind of new birth. And yet we all know that, well, the clothing only covers up, doesn't it? It covers up. It cannot make you new, can it? And of course, Ephesians here, Ephesians chapter 4, presents us with something far different, a better clothing, a divine wardrobe that really changes us, changes us for all seasons, because apparently clothing changes over the seasons, apparently, Uh, that changes us for all seasons, changes us for all occasions, and changes us on the inside changes us from the inside out. Let's just take a moment, shall we, to pray. God, our Father, as we think about this area of change, we pray that your scriptures would speak to us this morning. 
and that we may know that we're changed in you. Uh, guide us, we pray, as we, as we listen, that we'll be hearing you. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we all want to change. We all want to change, right? Don't we? I mean, I think that's... We can all think of, of areas in our lives where we want to change. I mean, it's changing in this or, or that. Um, and maybe as you, you hear that and you, you think, uh, in, if you've been a Christian for a, a while, um, you may um, think, well, uh, I'm just not sure I, I'm really actually changing. Uh, well, this morning I want to focus on just four brief things that the passage, I think, touches on to help us understand how the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, helps us to change. So I want to look at these um, very briefly this morning. So please keep your Bibles open if you've got them in front of you. It will be good for us to have those open at page 1175. And the first thing, um, the first principle I want us to, to think about is that change requires a decision. Change requires a decision. Verse 22 says, you were taught, and it says put, to put off your old self and to put on the new self. And I want to, to focus in on, on, on the putting off and the putting off for a moment, the putting on for a moment. This is a really complicated um, section, and it's really been difficult for, for people to translate it for us. But the put off and the put on refers to a single past finished action. That's really very important for us to understand. It refers to a single past finished action. And what Paul is, is, is actually doing here is reminding them that they have put off the old self and they have put on the new self. It's a single past action. Something decisive has already happened. This is really very, very important. In other words, a decision has been made in the past, a conscious, deliberate decision. Now, in the first century, this uh, image of putting off and putting on um, a garment, this picture was widespread. It, it was deployed often with um, reference to the, an act of initiation an act of initiation. And I suppose the, the closest we have perhaps is graduation. If you've ever been to a graduation or graduated yourself, you know that we, they put on a robe, don't you? And you put on a hood and, a, uh, and what else? To signify initiation. And so Paul is reminding them that they took a decision. They decided from what they were taught, the gospel. So in one sense, it is over. Okay, And yet, of course, he's saying at the same, same time, there is still lots to do. And we'll, we'll talk about that um, later, and we'll be talking about that a lot in the next few weeks as we go through Ephesians 4 and 5. But there is something decisive that has happened. I mean, that's why in verse 17 he says, So I tell you, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Paul is writing here to Gentile um, Christians, that's in other words non-Jew 
uh, Christians, and he describes the old life in verses 17 to 19 before they became a Christian. And of course, it's not really a very pretty picture, is it? I'm sure you gulped a few times as you, re- as you listened to that. There's this spiral. Without God, there's this spiral, um, a downward spiral that begins with the futility of thinking, leading to the darkening of understanding, leading to the hardening of hearts, being given over to sensuality and the lust for more. It's awful, isn't it? Paul, Paul's not saying that people are not capable, capable of good things. But he is saying a life without God will inevitably lead to a downward spiral. And if you don't believe me, look at, just look at the world. Take a look at the papers, the TV. Even look at your, our own hearts as well. We may say that that's not a world that I know and inhabits, the one that Paul is describing. Well, could it be because it's the only world that you have ever known and inhabited? It's a bit like, um, I suppose, asking a fish, what is water? Or getting a fish to write an essay on water. I know it's it's a ridiculous idea. (laughs) But a fish will only say, what is water? Won't it? Doesn't, because he can't, he can't live outside its own context. And so what happens is, is verse 19 happens. Uh, with that word, we lose all sensitivity. We lose the ability to feel. It's a terrible thing, isn't it, to lose sensitivity. I mean, just like, and I'm, I'm sorry about the imagery, you know, some forms of leprosy. When people lose all feelings in their, in their limbs or, and they can't feel pain, unable to feel, it means that what, they're in danger, aren't they, of losing limbs and becoming disfigured. If you're, if you're a Christian here this morning struggling to change or to see the point of change, Paul is saying he wants you to see your past condition our old self. And he wants to remind us of the decision that we made, that we put off and we put on. Because it's a single past action. It's a decision we made and he wants us to see that. But maybe you're here and you're not a Christian this morning. And maybe you sense from this that you have lost sensitivity. And there is a danger that I'm disfigured somehow, inwardly. And I need to follow Jesus. And you need to decide that. That is a decision that needs to happen. And it can be in the past today. In the past today. You can make that decision today. So change is a decision. But change, secondly is about the inside. It has to happen from the inside. Notice Paul does not say here, you put off your old behavior, but you put on your new behavior. He doesn't say that. As I said before, in Paul's day, the language of putting on and putting off was common. People would say, put off laziness and put on diligence. But that's not what we're having here. That's not what we see here. It's put, put off, put on. It's 
What is it we're putting on and putting off? It's a new self, a whole new self. That's completely different. That's completely radical. And next week, we'll see that Paul does talk about a whole bunch of behaviors um, to put off. Uh, But here's the thing. He will not let you do that until you've grasped here verses 22 and 24. You can't move on to that until we really get this right. And the new self. Because becoming a Christian, and I really want to make this as clear as possible, becoming a Christian is is being something before doing something. Being a, becoming a Christian is about being something before it is about doing something. Inner change before outer change. This is about identity. It's about a new self. It's about a new you before it's about a way that you might live. It's very, very important because Christianity is not ultimately about becoming moral. It's not about becoming moral. It's not less than that, but it's way more than that, and it's way more radical. It's about being a new person on the inside. I often um, can instantly tell whether somebody's a Christian by the way they answer this question. Are you a Christian? And when they reply, people will say, well, yes, Sort of, I try to be good. And I know instantly they're not. That's making Christianity, isn't it, into a, into a morality. A code of things to do and things to not do. I mean, it comes out uh, when I talk to people thinking of becoming a Christian and they say, well, yes, it sounds interesting, but this means I, I have to stop sleeping with my boyfriend, I have to start changing the way I live, I need to use, give up my money, I have to forgive my brother. If I become a Christian, I have to follow all the rules. When that happens, I, I sit in my chair, I wiggle a bit, <laughs> and then I say, well, yeah, but they're the wrong questions. They are the wrong questions. Because you don't really understand what Christianity is about. Yeah, of course, there's all those behaviors and we're going to come to them in chapter 4 and chapter 5 and, and elsewhere. But you've got, got to. You must go through 22 and 24. These verses. Becoming a Christian. Becoming a new person. Before it's a set of behaviors. It's right. I... I I kind of want to just, if you go away with nothing today, go away with that. What will happen if we, if we don't? What if you go away with, with, with morality? If we're honest, well, this will come out in our, in our motivations to be for good behavior. Because it, it'll tend to be about, actually, about us. Um, and that's why we. Um, need to be made on, new on the inside. We, have a, we actually have a heart problem because it, if we're honest, our motivations are all about us. They're selfish motivations. I think about it um, a little bit like the way that you, we often, and I hold up my hand, used these before, the way that we motivate children. It goes something like this. 
One way is to kind of fill them with a fear, isn't there? Um, That goes, you better tell the truth or else you'll have no tea or you'll have no friends in the future. And you you, you know how you crank it up. um, Or you'll lose your job when you're older if you're not a truthful person. And, well, what, Dad? (laughs) I haven't got a job. You will have one day um, if you don't tell the truth. And, or you could use a slightly subtler uh, uh, approach. Um, uh, don't lie, son, because you're going to make the family look really bad. And you don't, you don't want to do that, do you? Daddy is the vicar, and it will look really bad on us <laughs> if you're caught lying. And so you, you don't want to do that, do you? Um, what's the motivation here? The motivation is it's all about you, isn't it? It's about you. It's, about, it's not about the poor person that you've lied to, is it? It's not about um, God who, who sees all and knows all, who looks at us all the time with a faithfulness and, and, and is a truth-telling God. No, it's just about us. See, you could, be, you could be a really honest person, but ultimately, all the time, you're doing it for yourself. And the reason you, you tell the truth is that it, it will work well for you. You get to the top of society, so you get, you get respect in society. But you see, there will be a day, and there is a day, there's always a day that comes when telling the truth does not pay off for you at some point. And what are you going to do then? And if that's your motivation often we abandon it because it's about ourselves and we think, oh, I'll, I'll try something different. I'll lie, I'll cheat, I'll say whatever to get the thing that I want. And then we suddenly catch ourselves and say, why am I doing that? Why am I doing that thing? I wasn't raised like this, you say to yourself. But you were. You were <laughs> raised like it, if you think about it. You were raised, weren't you, to look after number one? Because it was about you. Don't lie, because you won't get somewhere in life. It was about you, and that was the motivation. And motivation is key, and when it it boils down to our motivations are selfish often, and we need to be made new first on the inside. So our whole motivation changes for doing things. The only right motivation for doing anything is out of the gratitude and the glory of the free grace of God through salvation in Christ. That you have been made new on the inside by the blood of Jesus. Then it becomes about gratitude. You're not doing it for yourself. You're just so grateful. I just want to live your way, Lord. And the fundamental difference between morality and Christianity is this. Is in a moral version, you, you don't need God. That's what you're saying. You don't need him. You don't need Jesus. All that matters to you is, is about being a good person. You don't see your own heart and your own need. You set the standards for being nice. Yes, you get courage. You, 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 get, you summon everything up in yourself to live the way you want to live. And it sounds very inspiring, and it sounds very brave and heroic. 
But in the end, that will not help you when things go wrong. When failure hits, when things go wrong, then you'll be inconsistent. You'll fall into immorality. It's nothing to say when you fail. Morality, all by itself, without the good news of Jesus Christ, without the free grace of God, that it is a gift. So that's change. It's so important. Change has to happen inside. So that's the second point. Change comes from the inside. Thirdly, change, change your thinking. Change your thinking. So how, how can we change? Well, we have to change our thinking. So just to recap, so we, we have the put off in verse 22, the put on, the new self in, in verse 24, and that's in the past. It's a past action, a decisive action in the future. That is the decision you've made to follow Jesus Christ. And internal change has happened. You're a new person. You're clothed in Christ. And in the middle section, you have verse 23, which is very important. The sandwich in the middle, the, the filling. You have, it says, be made new in the attitude of your mind. That's the, the filler in the sandwich. And this is now in the present progressive tense. Sorry to bore you with tenses, but it's really important because this is, this is the now the ongoing thing that's really important that you keep doing. It's a progressive action to be made new in the attitude of your mind. And sometimes translated in the renewed in the spirit of your minds, the spirit of your thinking. What is this about? What does it mean to be renewed like this? It means to, to, to really, in essence, I think, to dwell on the good news of Jesus Christ, on the gospel, over and over and over and over again. And you say, still, what does that look like? I'll try and give you an example. You, you miss a promotion at work. It might mean that you might actually be made redundant. And you're upset about it. You, you, still, a, a voice in your head says, um, you'll never amount to much. I'll never amount to much. What's the point? I'll never prove myself. What do you need to do in those moments when that sort of thinking starts to enter your head and your heart? Is that you need to take out the gospel of free grace and you need to allow it to renew your thinking you need to bang your heart with it know that you are dearly loved know and realize that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus know that I am accepted I am a child of the living God I have nothing to prove to anyone After all, I'm loved by the creator of the world who flung stars into space, who sent his son to die for me, for my sin and for my failure, so I can be his. Nothing can compare to that, can it? No promotion, no loss of promotion, no no amount of certificates, no amount of possessions. Nothing this world can give me that's a bank account greater than, than those over there. That's an approval rating greater than AAA. I don't really know what that is, but I've heard it. 
That's an acceptance, isn't it? That says, I am loved and accepted because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So I may be near to the sack. I may be here today and I may be gone tomorrow, but I will live on forever because I am in Christ Jesus and there is a glorious future for me far beyond this world. That is renewing the spirit of your mind with the good news. Um, Augustine, a very famous early church writer, before he became a a Christian, um, was basically, actually, what we would call today a sex addict. That's what he was. You, you, You can read about it in his book called The Confessions. And a couple of years after he became a Christian and he was made new, he he was back in one of his old cities again, and one of his old mistresses came running towards him and started to be very familiar um, to him. And he was very polite back to him. Uh, And uh, um, he didn't respond in the, the way he would have done before he became a Christian. He started walking away, and, and, and she was, of course, very puzzled by this. Why didn't he respond to me? So she, she shouted over to him as he was walking away. But Augustine, it is I. And he turned round and he said in reply, I know, but it is not I. It is not me anymore. He'd been transformed. He was taking his new identity and he was using it by the renewing of his mind, the attitude of his mind, a progressive thing that he was bringing to bear on his life every day. And that's what we need to do as well. And one final, one final thing. Fourthly, we need to be changed by him. And a, We've already really alluded to this. We need to be changed by him. Did you notice it says, be renewed in the attitude of your mind? It doesn't say, renew the spirit of your thinking. It means to let your mind be captivated. The imagination of your mind be captivated by something. Well, what is that something? It's there, actually, and we haven't talked about it. Verse 20. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Now it's really very unusual that Paul uses the word Jesus on its own. Normally it's Jesus Christ or it's um, Christ the Lord, uh, Lord Christ or something like that. But very, very rarely does he just leave Jesus on its own. And it's deliberate. It means he's thinking about the truth of Jesus. He's thinking about a a set thing that Jesus has done. Here is the best way to change. The best way for us to change is to look at him, look at Jesus, look at him doing the opposite of what we can do. What do I mean? Well, Well, we put off the old corrupting and corrupt self, the weak nature we put off that in the decision that we made to follow Jesus and we put on the new self which is getting stronger and stronger in righteousness and holiness as we're made like God, it says in verse 24. Becoming glorious eventually, 
Eventually we'll be perfect. Do you know what he's doing? And do you know do you know why we're doing that? Because Jesus because Jesus did the opposite. Think about it like this. Jesus was glorious and perfect, wasn't he? He was holy and, and righteous and, and he was perfect. And what he did was he laid it all aside and he took a weak, suffering, vulnerable human nature knowing what was going to happen to him at Calvary. I mean, he lost all, didn't he? He, lost, he was beautiful and glorious and he lost all his beauty and glory and took on all our sin and weakness so we could shed our weaknesses and our sin and take on his beauty and his glory. It's not about thinking the truth in some sort of general way. You know, that we somehow think of the gospel at arm's length in an abstract way. That's not going to change you. It's not going to change your mind and your soul and your heart. That's not what's going to change you from the inside out. No, it's about learning a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Learning about what he, he, who he is and what he's done for you. Looking at him intently. What he did on the cross for each of us. He put to death the old self at the cross so that you and I would be made new. Let that change you. Nothing else can. I'm convinced of that. Let that change you. Because nothing else can. Shall we just take a moment to pray, shall we? I'm conscious here this morning there may be people who have not made that decision to put off the old and put on the new self. And I'm conscious that there may be people who want to do that. And in the silence, uh, we pray that you would do that today. And know that it is in the past. God our Father, we, we pray that we'll know more of this truth of what Jesus Christ has done for us in putting off the old and putting on the new. Father, we pray that you will help us to live out what we already are, to live out the identity that you've already given us in Christ Jesus, to know it and to live it, to know the gospel, that you have given us free grace, through the death of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. We pray this in his name. Amen.